High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. Time now for the Hook Health Checkup with, of course, Dr. Kira Kelly. Uh, and we'll be looking at your queries, health queries, if you have them. You can just text me at 53106 uh, for 30 cents. And if we can't get to them today, we'll certainly get to them next week. Dr. Kelly, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much, George. Two things. Well, no, a lot of things. All personal, right? So we're abandoning the listeners' queries. These are all about George's medical queries so, so, this week. So new year, new you. This yeah. is not like last year then at all. No, it's really interesting because, of course, you have unfairly labelled me as anti-vaccination. It is really interesting that there's this huge flu crisis. There is, at yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And I was the sufferer, lovely Ingrid and myself yeah, yeah. Were, were in bed. Now, I forgot to get the flu vaccine. That's not like you, because you no, are quite isn't. good at getting the flu jab. Yeah, but also, the information from the HSE is, there's a huge lack of take-up in the flu vaccine. And I was just going to say... That's a shame. Well, it is a shame, and I'm glad you brought it up. And we're not going to go there on all vaccines, but they're hugely important. And particularly the flu vaccine is very important because the flu comes around, as we've seen in our hospitals and on our trolleys and all this. It comes around every year. And some people are, like, most of us will shake off a flu. We'll be pretty sick. It's not like the common cold. We'll have high fevers. We'll have aches and pains and sore throats and coughs. And we'll be stuck to the bed and we'll be sick. But some people, it's much, much more serious, like the older people. That, that, like that, me. Well, people your age, I, George, you're, I mean, you're pretty good. But, but No, but I want to tell you something as well. I got the flu vaccine last year in Boots Chemist, yeah. just by the Cork Opera House. Yeah, right? yeah. It, these fabulous looking women, right, give you the flu vaccine. You, even okay. plain women giving you the flu vaccine is as effective. I'm just, just pointing that out. Right. Or many, even. Yeah, well, these fabulous looking women in Boots and Cork, right? So fabulous are they that when they give you the jab right yeah. they have to put you in a little room for about 10 minutes because you're swooning yeah because you get a shock apparently from the the women are so fabulous well actually despite their and we're not knocking the fact that the women in Cork are of course very beautiful um, most reputable places will make you stay for 10 minutes including Boots and all GPs because you have to make sure you're not getting someone having a reaction to the flu vaccine oh, it's nothing to do with the good looking no it's thing. not the good oh, looks although we're not, not knocking the good right. looks second question because we get questions every week about scratching we do and apparently half the nation is itching right? itching and scratching and you're going on about not using soap correct yeah and you are you, listening yeah not I, using I feel soap maybe taking an antihistamine yeah, moisturising all of that brilliant I'm on a trial, which I'll report back on next week. Yeah, yeah. So it's called Sanex. It on the thing it says Dermo Three. It must that must be the level of Dermo or something. But the important thing is no soap, no colorant. Yes. So my itching's gone down. I thought it passed that on. And it's really good. And there are other products as well. But I'm not, I'm not knocking Sanex at all. But but but. These are really important things for people to do because most of us wash with soap. I wash with soap, but I don't have itchy skin. So so do people with itchy skin and they don't realise that they're not supposed to do it. And also the moisturising is very important, George. I think you use E45, isn't it? No, I don't. I use Nivea. Oh, is it Nivea? No, well, but anyway. Any of them will do, really. down to point three? Go on. I saw an ad on the paper or television, or I think it might be television, actually, of a woman, Right. Okay. And she was talking about uh, bladder problems for women. Okay. Right? And she was talking about this product and she was saying it's fantastic because I can wear it and it oh, doesn't show. Yeah. It doesn't show through my trousers and, you know, yeah, yeah. all this. I've seen that ad. 
Why is this only advertised for women when men like myself with a with a with a prostate problem who wet myself on a fairly regular basis because I, I can't get to the bathroom in time, why isn't it advertised as a unisex? Well, I would suggest, and that's a good question, that that, that they're slightly different products that are necessary because of your anatomy. I would suggest that they have to be slightly different size and shape oh, there's pads. there's a difference in that? Yeah, th- those pads are designed for women who have a bladder leakage and that's what the, and, and they're, they're done very but subtly. Do. I know they do. But I wonder, are men more reluctant to the idea of wearing a pad? Well, I'd wear a pad in a heartbeat. It's well, then we put out that we put that good pair of trousers. we put out that idea now to manufacturers everywhere of of whoever <laughs> whoever they are, and you know body no, form yeah, or whatever. The George Hook pad. Though. Well, it is. Because as you know, as the prostate ages, the difficulty men have. So all my... George, a huge amount of people, a huge amount of people of both sexes have issues with continence. And it's the great unspoken issue. Um, No one will talk about it. No one will admit to it. And a huge amount of people, much more than anyone thinks, suffers with that. So if you are suffering with it, you're not alone. Go and see somebody. All right, we'll go to real questions. Will we we finally? I have a two-year-old. Who, who, as you can imagine, the listener says, Sophie in Wexford, grazes herself a lot because she's wandering Fallen and all that, yeah. I'm worried about how to wash a cut or graze or put on a plaster. I just wing it. I think but you ju- do wing it. Just winging it is grand. Um, do wash the cuts, even though the little one will cry because when you wash a cut, it's sore and it stings. But it's important to stop the infection from getting in there. So I would always, with my own kids, I'm not a one for now these, you know, these wiping my house down with disinfectant pads all the time and everything. I think a bit of dirt is all right for kids and a bit of dirt is all right for everybody else as well. Um, but do wash, just plain soap and water, a bit of warm water, a bit of soap. You can wash a cut and then pat it dry and then do cover it with a plaster. And that reduces the risk of infection. Because if dirt gets in there and gets stuck in there, you can have a problem. No. But I think Sophie's doing the right. right thing. No, although I said uh, that, uh, that half the population was itching and yes, half yes. the population of bladder leakages, none of them are represented on the questions. It's all young people are ringing in. There's another. Uh, Sandra has an eight-month-old baby. Now, she's confused. And this is really interesting. What's a high temperature? What's a fever? What should Sandra be looking out for? Even this is a great question. It is a good question because particularly new mums have no clue and they don't know what they're doing. Um, and all babies get fevers. Well, they do. The start of a fever is 37.5 degrees Celsius. We Celsius we use now, George. We don't use the, you know, 106 fever, you know, Fahrenheit or whatever the people used to oh, use. Uh, uh, yeah, but so anything above 37.5 is a fever. Anything above 38.5... Well, how do you know if your child is a fever? Do, you, does, do all mothers I, have a... What most mums would have a thermometer. The likes of me who has four kids and is a doctor, I actually don't have a thermometer in the house. I stick my hand on my kids' forehead and I know whether they have a fever or not, but I wouldn't expect a young mum to know that. But, but can't you... But do you now, with the new stuff now, you don't have to put it like in their mouth and give it no, a shake. No, you use a lot of the things are in the ear. A lot of the things would be All a right. beeping thing in the ear. So, and mum a- should have. A thermometer. Yes, they should. And, and if you five. don't and you're worried, supposing you're just listening now and you think your child has a fever and you don't have a thermometer now and you don't want to do, put your hand on your own forehead, feel your forehead and you're normal, hopefully. Put your hand on your baby's forehead, the palm of your hand. And if the baby's forehead is hotter than yours, then okay, and you're thinking, okay, they are a bit hot. If they're the same as you, they can't have a fever. Well, what do you do then? Go to the doctor? Well, you do. But over 37.5 is a fever, but it's fairly low grade. Over 38.5, you're starting to get into hotter fevers. Over 39.5, 
or in and around the 40s or anything like that, that's a very high fever but, but, and you really need to see a doctor. But, but young mums, in fact, I might even say young dads, yeah, of which abso- I was once absolutely, one. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't you immediately start thinking meningitis or the black plague or... You do. do you know whatever, And you know what, you? particularly for new mums, that's not necessarily an unreasonable way to think yeah. because you don't want to miss something like that. But the symptoms of things like meningitis would be, generally speaking, a very high fever, a very sick, lethargic irritable child not your normal child a bit floppy or a bit irritable okay. if you touch them they'd be crying and then you do start to see these nasty rashes and the best way I can people talk about the glass test and everything it's very hard to demonstrate on radio but the best way I could describe the rash that meningitis is is like little small purple pin pricks under the skin they're not pale pink they're not the blanching things you see oh, normally okay. but that's what you're kind of looking out for but if you see anything you're concerned about and a feverish child particularly a small baby like an 8 month old go and see a doctor alright and no, definitely another young parent the child got chicken pox when, yeah, yeah. when the child was quite young now she's in school okay. there's a mini outbreak in the school can she get it again if she's not gonna, I thought she could only get chicken pox you once. should only be able to get chicken pox once there's a few variants of the herpes types of viruses so occasionally 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 we've seen people have chicken pox. It's very unlikely. Exactly. The the other thing is getting chicken pox a good idea because if you don't have chicken pox when you're a child, particularly a man, you can get mumps or something, isn't that right? And that makes you uh, impotent. Mumps and chickenpox are two different viruses, oh, so, so they're not linked. Oh. But you're right that you can have complications of mumps. That's why we give the MMR vaccine. You can have complications of mumps in young men. They get orchitis and stuff like that, which is an inflammation. And you become impotent. Well, no, you become infertile. But not mostly you don't. I don't want to frighten young men. Mostly you don't. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a possibility. So you're better off getting mumps when you're a child. You're better off getting the vaccine, George, is what oh, you need. You get the oh, MMR. Oh. But the chicken pox, 75% of us have had chicken pox. Um, the younger, the better in some ways. I had chicken pox when I was a late teen. I was about 16, 17, and I was as sick as a dog with oh, it because right, the okay. older you are, the more it affects you. So little kids, you're nearly better off with your kids getting it young if they're going to get it. You can vaccinate against that too, but it's not really even worth doing in a way. This is not- different from smallpox now. It is. Anyway, just speaking to the MMR. How old are you, it's, George? It's, it's mumps, rubella and... Measles. Oh, yeah, MMR. Mumps, measles and rubella. I'm with Paddy and Rahini here. Are you? Yeah. He says the Palamine is a vegan. What a load of horse manure. Now, they're slightly my words, not his. But, like, isn't he right? Uh do you really want me to tell you? I, I, to be honest, I think veganism is... is uh, we're omnivores, do you know what I mean? We're like rats or pigs. Humans are like rats or pigs. We're supposed to eat a little bit of everything. The more broad-based your nutritional intake, the more likely you will be well-nourished and have you know not, a diet not lacking in anything. So the easiest way to get protein into your diet, which is necessary, is meat. Um, and, you know, I, I see no problem with that at all. And I, I personally wouldn't have the, the, the willpower well, or the inclination. Vegan, if you are a vegan... Like, you really have to be very careful about you do. because... You can you become could, deficient. You can become deficient. Yeah, particularly in B vitamins and stuff like that. That's right. And also iron and loads of things, yeah. 53106, if you want to send me a text with your health queries for Dr. Kira Kelly. So far, we haven't got any queries that can be cured by the ubiquitous uh, three Hail Marys. But we may get some of those We soon. haven't even mentioned a topical steroid. I don't know what's become no. of us. Now, just can see, Liam is 30. Now, his old man died of a stroke. Is there a genetic predisposition? The two commonest causes of stroke um, are one is a clot and the other one is a hemorrhage and the clots outweigh the hemorrhages in terms of, of, of which one's more likely. Um, there is a predisposition to clotting in some families and they, you will sometimes see stroke or you sometimes see heart disease 
but mostly and, and, and certainly with, with the hemorrhages sometimes you'll have a, a, an aneurysm in the brain or something like that that will go and that can be familial too but mostly here's the thing it's, it's to do with age and lifestyle if you've got high cholesterol if you're a smoker if you've got high blood pressure and you have those kind of cardiovascular risks if you're overweight all that you're more at risk of stroke if you want to manage your risk or if of stroke, you have arrhythmia that's if true you too. have an irregular heartbeat. Absolutely. If you are like somebody, a certain broadcaster of my acquaintance. Absolutely. But if you are somebody who wants to manage your risk of stroke, George, you need to look at your lifestyle. You need to maybe, yeah. watch, don't be a smoker. Anyone who's a smoker, and this is January, give up the cigarettes. They are absolutely going to kill you. No product that would kill every second person that took it would be legalised now. They're, it's madness All to right. smoke. But you know, manage your lifestyle. You can't manage your hereditary factors anyway. Can I do the next question? Go on. Uh, I'm trying to diet and keep healthy, but I'm useless at sticking to a plan. <laughs> Any tips? Yeah, just Like, I mean, what? <laughs> like, no, but seriously. Like, I'm useless at sticking to the plan. So, Kira and George, can you give me a plan here's, that doesn't need to stick to Here's the good thing. If you form a habit, good or bad, it makes whatever you do habitually the easier thing to do, Correct. even if that's a healthy option, right? So, if you have a healthy habit, it becomes easier than being unhealthy. It takes three weeks to form a habit. That's all it takes. So Correct. this listener, this today is Monday. If this listener says, today I'm starting and in three weeks time, which is the end of January, and they say to them, actually I think it is the end of January, they say to themselves, I've now established a healthy habit, they can keep going with it. Correct. So just like a good willpower example, for three weeks yeah, is all it takes. example is sugar in your tea, yeah, for instance. Dump it. Right? So suddenly I decided a long time ago, you know I'm not putting sugar in my tea. And for a couple of weeks, as you already point out, oh, this is terrible, terrible, terrible. Now, if there was a spoon waved in the general direction of sugar and was put into my tea, I'd throw up. Yeah, you wouldn't drink it. It would be disgusting to yeah, you. And that means yeah. the healthy habit has become the one that's easier. Three now, weeks. This poor mother in Lake Slip. I'm tempted to answer this, but you're you, tempted to answer all. Well, of them. No, but you'd probably get me sacked from the radio station. George and Doc. I mean, interest to me as well. Though my boy has recently been diagnosed with ADHD. Are there any long-term effects with associated with taking ADHD medications? I'm a bit wary of them. Mother and Lake Slep, George is a bit wary of them. I'm a little bit wary of them myself, to be honest. Uh, is look, there such a thing as ADHD, I ask myself? Well, there are people who argue that there is, and there are people who argue against it. And I often think the word boisterous just comes from boys. Do you know what I mean? Uh, particularly, I think, I think the school system, which is... Okay, I'm going to get myself in trouble here too, but most teachers are female, often young nowadays, and boys are a handful when they're young. So Boy, they say they've got ADHD. They bounce around the place, and they're not the same as girls. And I don't think when you compare boys to girls, I have three sons, do you know what I mean? So I know this from my own experience of being a parent. Look, boys need to run off a bit of energy and a bit of steam. And I do think that even despite all the best efforts of psychologists, we're on the lookout for ADHD, you know, in kids. And, and some of them just need a little bit of management. And some people are better managing well, this well, than others. Well, but the medical stroke pharma profession also invents something so they can then invent a pill for it. So they, it's a bit like Father's Day. There was never Father's Day. Until Hallmark. Until Hallmark arrived and said Father's Day and we all buy cards. It's the same with some of these things. I tell mother and Liz Day, I would be very wary and would you not of ADHD medication I am somewhat wary although I, I have to try and be a bit balanced on this I have seen some families and some kids benefit and I've seen and I'll tell you why George because some kids are bouncing off the walls and this is the problem they can't concentrate and start doing really badly in school and falling behind and what's more is they can't socialise because they can't look at another kid without jumping on them and giving them a thump and shouting and roaring and people start to and avoid those kids different stuff but that's ADHD. where that, well, no, but that is ADHD yeah, and the problem is 
is, is those kids start to become a bit marginalised socially. They start to fall back academically. And then what do we do? You see, Mother and League slip now suddenly, immediately now after your chit-chat is bang on the medication. I think again. every case has to be looked at. Just on be careful. Indiv- not what you yes, say. but individual merits. And I would All never right. say never, but I am a little wary too. All right. Grace has terrible arthritis in the back and the hips. Oh. Pain management doesn't really work. Is there anything else I can do? Well, Grace is 76 now. I would say from my lofty 75 years of age, it goes with the territory. Arthritis is fancy medical jargon for wear and tear. Now, there are more aggressive ones you get when you're younger, like rheumatoid and all, but my guess is at 76, this is an osteoarthritis. It's a wear and tear arthritis. But why doesn't pain management help? Well, I'd say pain management. But you have to take such a lot of them, isn't yes. that right? And, and you take something like diphene or neurofon plus or something, which you play havoc with your stomach or whatever. Well, I wouldn't go anti-inflammatories for someone in their 70s at all. They, they will get havoc with the stomach. And some of the heavier duty ones cause constipation and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What she may want to do is go and look at talking about having maybe a joint injection or those kinds of things. Paracetamol is the best painkiller in many ways for people as they get older because it doesn't have the side effects and it doesn't give you huge pain yeah, control, about, but it gives yeah. you a bit of pain control. But hold a while now. You're a fabulous looking bro. You're, you're on Operation Transformation. No one calls me abroad, but you, you're George. You're on Operation Transformation, all this sort of stuff. Like, you wouldn't know pain if it hit you in the gob. Like, you've got to remember that us old-age pensioners live in pain I do know every that. day. No, I do know and that. And it's very difficult to fix it. It is difficult to fix it. One of the important things that people the, do forget is the need to mobilise, even if you're in pain, because otherwise the pain gets worse. Oh, yeah, I love this one. My mother has trouble walking. She refused to get a walker or a cane. So bloody stubborn. How can I convince her to get some sort of walking aid? Doc. Um, A huge amount of older people do struggle and do um, find it difficult to come to terms with the need for things like walking aids. Do you know what? Eventually they all come around to it because it's that or not walk at all and people will come around to it. But I, I've seen lots of people, my own mother in, in, in sort of included in that, who was very reluctant and ended up with a frame but, but, in the, it, but in the beginning, wobbled all over the place again, before she takes it. problem because you're a fabulous looking broad and you don't know what pain means and all this. You're totally unsympathetic to this problem. Oh my God, I'm so not. The problem is that older people, like I'm speaking from experience, you're the clue like, I'm the real McCoy on these matters. The thing is that the older person feels that once the walker or the cane I know. comes, the next thing is the retirement home. I do get it. It's a loss stuff. of independence and it's a loss Correct. of pride and people think it's a loss well, of dignity. Why did you just say that instead of going on with the other stuff you I were talking More or less about. did, but here's the thing. People will come around to it because at the end of the day, people want to mobilise and it's just about making somebody see it's no different than wearing okay. glasses if you're short-sighted. All right, now, finally, quickly, Dorothy's a worried mum. Her teenager is playing rugby. What happens if he gets a bang in the head? If he gets a bang in the head no matter what anybody tells you take him off and if somebody says he can go back in a week he can't I think and you've answered that successfully I, w- I totally agree with you we, we you exaggerate the care yeah not- you do you don't minimise it and you know what the professionals, you might argue, aren't looked after properly, but I sometimes think they're looked after better than the schoolboys. I think the schoolboys oh, are thrown back in far too quickly. But it's not schoolboys. You see, the point is, who looks after kids in rugby or any sport? Volunteers. You know, volunteers yeah. aren't trained for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, the parents is, need to be yeah, very I, mindful. I wouldn't mind, you know, despite my difficulties with you. I mean, I'd happily have you on the touchline for a rugby match. 
Would you? Well, you'd increase the participation of husbands at the touchline, and then you'd be giving your children better care. Stop it. Um, yeah, look, to be honest, my my, my eldest lad dislocated both knees in the last two years and is now off the rugby pitch, and it's kind of a relief, to be honest. Yeah, I'm deeply worried about it. Well, that was Dr. Kira Kelly, the pride of Greystones and Operation Transformation. Do yourself a favour. Join the millions of people which will be turning over to Operation Transformation tonight, led by my guest, Dr. Kira Kelly, who's here every week at this time. Send your messages to 53106.